For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Frank Gore Jr., Southern Miss Golden Eagles, and you listen to Fun Belt Podcast. 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 It's just a, a great conference that is at a, at a point right now where they're, I think, clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of fun, Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. Uh, and we've got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. Ho, 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 I'm Santa, and my two hoes are Shane Metlin and, uh, and Dusty Thibodeau. Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report. Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. It's the end of the year. I finally got it right. I'm Jeremy Harper from Hellraiser. We are Fun Belt Podcast. Merry Christmas, gentlemen. Happy New Year. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Yeah? Hiya. Yeah? All right. Last episode of the of the year of season two wraps up. Oh my god, this has got to be a good season, man. We can't screw this up. It's gonna be the best episode ever. <clears throat> I didn't even realize that the new year meant a new season. So that's how <laughs> on the ball I am with it. Oh. All right. Well, here's the thing, guys. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. You know, it's kind of like a little bit of, I don't think we need a wrap of the year. That would be that would be ridiculous. But we've got four great bowl games to talk about. Well, maybe it's more like three great bowl games and one god-awful bowl game. I told you. <laughs> I, I, Dude, I was in on that. I said, you got to be scared of Western Kentucky. And the group of five guys were like, oh, no, no, don't worry about Western Kentucky. You and I, we knew. We were scared. We knew what happened to Appalachian State last year. The same damn thing to South Alabama. But not, you know, only that, not only that, but I'm just I'm 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 done having my heart broken by the Jags. So I, I'm done with them. I am not going to fall for that again. Fool me 15 times and shame on me. I, I finally learned my lesson. Yeah, you know what? We have been spurned again and again and again by South Alabama. You're right. I am done being the victim. I am playing my uh my my uh my my uh this is my fight song i'm gonna i'm gonna walk away from the jags just you and you and me tibbs we're done with the jags love you i was traveling when all that was going on so really as far as i know sunbelt's still three and oh in bowl game i i'm not even aware of uh, anything <laughs> else changing uh, i'm afraid not no the reality says well let's just yeah, let's just push that aside guys because there's just more to bowl games that's going on. There was sort of like another kind of postseason that happened uh, just this Wednesday, and that's early signing day. Guys, are you happy with your uh, your new teams, your new players, your new presence? Tibbs, you happy with what happened in, at ULM? Yeah, Warhawks got a former four star running back. 
that committed out of the U. I mean, how could you go wrong getting somebody from the U? I mean, Mario Cristobal hand-selected him. Thaddeus Franklin Jr., former four-star running back, led the Hurricanes last season with five rushing touchdowns. He's now going to be on the bayou. Nice. In addition to that, Warhawks might be running a little eye formation because they got a guy, he's listed as a running back, but he's he's a big one. Isaiah Woolard, he was running back at Ole Miss this past year. Not many touches in that offense, but he is the career leader in rushing yardage in the state of Mississippi from his high school days, rushing for over 8,200 yards. So you sound yeah. pretty excited. You sound, sound, sound like you feel like ULM did pretty good in the recruiting. I'm excited about it. Good. You know, I, I think I think that's good. I think the fans need to feel good. Well, what about James Madison? The, the James Madison cleanup. I think they did pretty well. Uh, you know, they haven't announced their transfer class. I think they're waiting for those guys all get enrolled, but they've got eight transfer commits that, you know, nobody's like, nobody's jumping off the page at you like, oh, four-star running back next to <laughs> LeBorn now at ULM, which is, when we talked about, you know, getting a guy from Miami, that reminds me of Marshall going to Florida State for their running back. But, um, Nobody jumped up the page like that, but they're still in the need that they, they needed, you know. They lose three of their four wide receivers, so they go out and get three transfer wide receivers to come in, you know, step in, fill, fill the immediate need, and then 19 high school kids signed. I think it's going to work out pretty well for them. I mean, it seems to be um, seems to be what's worked for them in the past, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. You never know if these guys get on campus, but um, seems like they filled – Filled the needs that they needed to fill. You know, Shane, I, I, I think I saw somewhere where JMU was one of the more prolific transfer portal players this season. I think they had, like, you said they had eight. I think that puts them in the, like, the top ten of FBS programs in terms of acquiring transfer talent. And I wonder if, you know, part of it is their season finished, you know, right after Thanksgiving. And they knew they weren't going to a bowl game, but they were selling the fact that they had a successful season. They were kind of unique in that regard and yeah. getting out there, getting into the transfers right away. And, you know, most of the guys that had committed already were guys who were in the portal for a little while. Like they were either grad transfers or their FCS guys who were able to enter the portal earlier than I think December 5th was the day it all opened up for most people. I think um, you're right. Most, most of the guys GMU got were guys who were already in there and were already, you know, some of them had already taken their visits during the season. Today. You know, I'll just bounce back to Arkansas State for a second. Arkansas State led the Sun Belt this year, at least by some metrics. I don't know if by all the metrics. Maybe, maybe you can look at that uh, Tibbs, maybe you have a better handle on that. But Arkansas State did pretty good, more or less, with their uh, recruiting this year. Everybody's happy at Ar- Arkansas State. They're kind of looking at it as, as the rebuild is continuing and trying to catch up to the JMUs of the world. But you know what I like about signing day now that maybe maybe is a little different than other people? I like 
seeing what kind of National Signing Day graphics each university puts out. You know, like some guys, they really go all out. They, they get the original photography. They get the design packages. They really, really kind of glam it up. And some guys are more like, here's a photo of the guy, and here's their name and how much they weigh. Yeah, I really like going into it. Have you guys even noticed? Did you guys notice the Twitter graphics at all, or am I the only one? You're probably the only one. I mean, I didn't notice them, but you're probably the only one that really <laughs> just made it a point to uh -huh. write an article about it. I did. Hal Razor wrote an article. Yeah, I noticed them, but I'm not sure I could just tell you which schools did what. So that's where I need Jeremy to step in and tell us who did the best. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I, I, I work in advertising, you know, a little bit of writing, a little bit of design. So I, I feel like I kind of like I, these things kind of gravitate to me a little bit. You know, maybe they don't reach, they don't speak to you in the same way because you're just not in that, that, that world. But uh, I was impressed overall with the Sunbelt's efforts. But I have my favorite, or my couple favorites, bias. and I have the, and one that I think is absolute trash. The bias take coming up. There is a bias take, yes. I, I, I'm going to say I like Dodge the best, Arkansas State. But I like ULM number two. I thought ULM did a really good job. What'd you call ULM? <laughs> I called you number two. <laughs> uh, completely by accident, Tibbs. I would never respect the Warhawks that way. No, but I tell you the worst. The worst of them. And it's really even unfair to say the worst, but it, because they're still pretty good. I'm going to say Old Dominion came out with the worst graphic. It's got like two pictures of the player, like one in the dark version of the uniform, one in the sort of North Carolina blue version of the uniform. They're using a font that's almost unreadable. It's all in that, that sort of kind of messy blue background. Just they didn't really do a good job. So I say to Old Dominion, Old Dominion, you need to work on that graphic a little bit. I feel like like your heart was in the right place, but it just didn't quite come together. And maybe next year, maybe next year you'll fix some of that, realize that more is less, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe tone down how radical the fonts are, maybe just focus on one image. I think you'll be all right. Yeah, I'm I'm pulling it up as you say. The the font is yeah, not great. <laughs> <laughs> but you're you're going to hear from them, I think. You called Hudson Blue, which they're extremely proud of Hudson Blue. You called it Carolina Blue. It, you're gonna be in trouble. I know. I I, I I said that knowing that that would make them angry. He says whatever, knowing that they're gonna email me to meet that complaint. <laughs> So he's like, yeah, it's Carolina Blue. It's always been Carolina Blue. Well, that's, yeah, a, good, that's a good point. I'm going to start making all my controversial uh, statements on this podcast instead of like on my own Twitter or anything. But anyway, I, you know, I don't mean to disrespect ODU and their, and their colors. I just want them to step up their game a little bit, you know, to kind of match some of these other guys. Texas State did a great job, and, and, uh, and uh, Southern Miss did an okay job. I love South Alabama's job. Uh, but there's one thing about recruiting, maybe you guys, especially Tibbs, because you're kind of in this world a little bit more than 
the rest of us, you know, everybody was kind of, you know, pretty happy more or less with who they got and if they filled some needs. And in the Sun Belt, we were pretty happy. But quite frankly, the, the highest rated team, at least in the, the, the composites that I looked at, was Arkansas State. But there were only 76 in all of football. Is that, is that something to worry about? Should I give a shit about that? Not in the least bit, because a lot of the mid-majors especially, or G5, or whatever you want to call us, mm -hmm. don't have websites to keep track of the recruiting, to enter them in so they could be rated too low, too high, too in-between, too whatever. And so really, you're only getting a grasp of how you match up somewhat against the P5. Ah, I see. Okay. Yeah. I, I do completely agree with that. Just, I mean, just JMU, which I'm following as an example, you know, you look at the 247 rankings and it's got them at 12, which may or may not be accurate. I really have no idea. But 247 has them with a couple of three stars and that's all the rank guys they have. But you go to on three, then they've got like a handful of different guys rank three stars. And like one of them, I think it's on three now, has a list of everywhere you can find them all. And JMU's got 10 different guys who are three stars somewhere, but a lot of them aren't ranked at the other three. So it's really hard to kind of just gauge who's who. And I'm guessing it's that way for probably 12 to 14 of the Sunbelt team. And what I think is funny about that is, you know, everything started with rivals. Yeah. Then got acquired by Yahoo Sports and that whole then there were some people that spun off that and went and started a scout network. Mm -hmm. Then there were some more people that spun off of that and grabbed a couple rivals people and they started 24 seven. And then there were some more people that, that spun off of that to start on three. It's all the same people. And I wonder too, Shane and, and Tibbs, like it seemed to me that sometimes it seems to me it's harder to find a two star athlete that is to find a five-star athlete. It seemed like there were that that the grades just keep getting higher and higher. And I wonder if it's because it, that pleases the masses. The masses want to see, oh, we got all these three stars, or oh, we got you know a couple four stars out of this, and nobody wants to see any two stars on their list. So it's harder to. It, are, are are the these grading services being a little too generous in terms of? just wanting to get more clicks or am I totally misreading that Tibbs? No, it definitely drives the clicks. <laughs> and, and really the big thing, there's no one star because that's kind of insulting of, of why would you <laughs> want to do that? A two star basically means that you signed at the D one level, whether it's FCS or FBS three star means you're kind of that higher end of the G five. So you're probably a Sunbelt or American mountain West type of player. The four stars are the kind of elite of the G5, and then the five-star, of course, are the elite of the elite that are in the P5. Oh. Shane, this is why we have Tibbs on the show, because yeah. he, bring, he brings to the table this clarity that you and I normally would not have into this process. Yeah. I mean, to like, you know, kind of further that point, yeah. GMU's entire recruiting class 
I would say probably 12 of the 19 had no stars on rivals a week ago. And then yeah. as soon as rivals kind of starts looking like, okay, here's the list of commitments. Suddenly they're all two stars, like just overnight, you know, 15 guys got their stars just because somebody noticed that they'd committed to a D one school. So that mm-hmm. kind of tells you just, uh, you know, how much thoughts going into ranking the recruits at this level, really. Well, I'd seen it too, Shane, where somebody would transfer from or would change their commitment from Arkansas State to like an SEC school. And suddenly that that guy would go from like a two-star to a four-star or a three-star to a, you know, or two-star to a three-star, you know, like they, it would get bumped up suddenly. Yeah. Tips, did I imagine that or does that happen too? Officially, no, that does not happen. Okay. But yes, I have noticed it and seen it as well. ULM has had their fair share of borderline three, four stars that then become two stars on a signing day. Some guys stay at three. I think it's because they kind of slipped the cracks, not saying they don't deserve a three star, just in the whole grading opinionated process. <clears throat> it's frustrating. I'll say that it's definitely frustrating. It's frustrating trying to explain that time and time again. It's frustrating uh, going through the whole evaluation process. It's there's a lot that goes into it. I'll say that. Yeah. And I think too, like one thing you see is, you know, everybody, everybody knows who the four and five star kids are and they get, you know, they get figured out early, but if you're a two to three star kind of borderline guy, and maybe you went to the camp at Auburn your sophomore year, and you happened to talk to the Auburn recruiting writer from two four seven while you were there, and so he now knows your name. He gave you two stars while you were a sophomore, and then sees you picked up two offers while you were a junior, and now all of a sudden you're a three star. And you might not be any different than the kid who was at the same camp, but just didn't happen to get the interview that day. Yeah, without a doubt. So let me ask you this, guys. As you look around at at not just your school's commitment list, but around the league, who are some guys that you're excited about potentially seeing, if not this year, in the coming years? And and, and I'll kick it off while y'all quickly scramble to Google and pull up everyone else's list. Mine is going to be Appalachian State commitment, Mason McHugh. Obviously, with them losing Brady McBride, and Chase Bryce, they had to go hit up the position to, to, to fill it. And they got a good one in, in McHugh. Played at IMG, originally from Vegas. He set a Florida record, or excuse me, IMG single season record when he passed for over 2,800 yards, 31 TDs, and only nine interceptions. That number alone makes me think he's going to be a great fit in Sean Clark's offense and in Boone. Now, are we talking, are we talking uh, straight high school recruits now? Yeah. Like we're talking about, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I'm probably going to go as we were just going over how, uh, you know, maybe these rankings aren't, aren't the end all be all, but I'm kind of going over Arkansas state just because I know they, I know they've recruited really well the past year. Like they've had, you know, a lot of studs in there. And 
you know, I'm kind of just looking at, you know, stepping on Jeremy's toes here, but a guy like DeAndre Bird, who seems to be a pretty highly regarded recruit that they kept in state. I think, you know, when you're trying to turn a program around, those are the things that kind of make a difference. And tell the other kids in your state that, you know, Arkansas State is a place that, you know, you want to go. Yeah, and I, I'm i going to cheat a little, Shane. I'm going to cheat a little bit on this. I Because I, I don't feel like I, I could say with confidence who's one guy from another program that I really am looking forward to seeing because I'm just not good at that. I will say this, though. I am happy to see Texas State back in the game. I am happy <laughs> to see that Texas State is finally recruiting high school kids again. Now, the, the, their list only includes like uh, five or six guys, five or six high school kids. But it, I, I think, you know, just looking through the, the Twitterverse, there seemed to be more energy now amongst the That's fan base saying, yes, we're finally kind of going back to this traditional way of building a program. Yeah, and that's five or six high school kids in basically a week and a half of like a new coach being there and deciding we're going to recruit we're going to recruit high school kids again. So I mean, I think that is a pretty pretty promising sign for them. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like their new coach, whose name suddenly escapes me, is a guy that's kind of like uh, instantly popular with the fan base. Although it, it, it don't I, I I could be wrong about this, Tibbs. It just seems like in, in San Marcos, they just like everybody, right? Uh, that's not true. I, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think they're they're big fans of uh, one Jeremy Harper Esquire. Oh, that's true. I, that, well, yeah, but that's because I've worked hard to make them my arch enemy. But for the most part, you know, they they're pretty welcoming. I think. I bet you, even if I walked into San Marcos, they'd hand me some cowboy boots, maybe fluff up my hat, find me a chair. You know, have some dinner with me. I think they'd do that. I hope not. Because I, 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 I want to see a showdown at the OK Corral. <laughs> Guys, let me ask you a question. Did you see that football game between Troy and the University of Texas at San Antonio? I saw the second half, which was the better half for the Trojans. <laughs> it looked bad. I, I saw both halves. And it did look bad for the Trojans at first. But, man, what a display of defense from both those teams. It was a joy to watch. If you like defense, that was a great game to watch. I think at one point, Troy had created turnovers, like four possessions in a row. It was just fun to watch that. It was fun to watch those Troy defensive, that Troy defense unit which had carried the program so long, really kind of carried the whole team. In fact, I thought they were going to throw Gunnar Watson out of the stadium after the first half, the way they kept plucking the team out of the fire and putting Gunnar back out there. Gunnar would do something like three and out or throw an interception or something, something crazy. He got it together at the end. Don't get me wrong. But, man, that was a great game. Shane, did you watch this game? I didn't see much of it. I was following it along as I was doing other stuff. But, um, yeah, it was kind of – it was interesting and fun to see Troy get back to, you know, the identity we thought Troy had up until our last two weeks of the season when all of a sudden they started scoring crazy amount of points and rushing for thousands of yards per game. But, uh, yeah, 
that was kind of the Troy identity I thought we were going to see going into the Sunball Championship game, and then they, uh, <laughs> then, they turned, then they turned into, uh, I don't know, uh, Mike Leach, RIP, Texas Tech, I don't know what, what they turned into with the offensive explosion the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to peg down who these Troy Trojans are. Are they the hard-nosed, in-the-trenches defensive team, or are they sort of a a, 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 a downhill running error uh, air raid offense? You know, it's just kind of, you never know what you're going to get from these guys. But we, we saw that, one, that they're better than UTSA, which I was nervous. We were nervous about that, Tibbs. We were. Yeah, we you know the group of five guys. They really let us know that their quarterback, who whose name I forget, Frank something, was going to be a great quarterback. Was going to get his points, and he was. He was outstanding. And, and he's coming and, back for like his twentieth year next year as well. <laughs> That's right. He's been in the league forever. But uh, yeah, group of five guys warned us that this was not going to be an easy game, and it wasn't. Uh, and but it was a joy to watch. Very fun. The Southern Miss versus Rice game. No, that was not Southern Miss versus Rice. That was Frank Gore Jr. versus Rice. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, Southern Miss. What did I say? You said Southern Miss, but that was Frank Gore Jr. versus Rice. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. I see. That's very clever, Tibbs. I didn't didn't anticipate this kind of cleverness for me. So uh, now I've got to- no, I've got to, I've got to sort of compose myself. Yes, Frank Gore Jr. What was it? Three hundred and sixty yards. Three hundred twenty-nine yards. A bowl season or a bowl game record performance. Really took the entire team, put it on his back, and said, "You ride me into the end zone, boys. I'm going to get you to victory." I got to watch this movie while having dinner with some friends. So I'm like kind of watching it like the TV is over the bar. You know, it's like one of those situations where you're at the restaurant and you're trying to be charming with this other couple and you're trying to, you know, be engaged with everybody. But at the same time, you, you keep leaning over to see what the score is over the bar. That's how I watch this game. And at one point it was like, oh, my God, Rice is going to come back. Five win Rice is going to win this game. And then, you know, Southern Miss does what they usually do. And that somehow pull out a victory out of, out, of, out of the loss. Shay, did you see this game? I saw some of it. And, yeah, the, the biggest thing to me was Frank Gore doing that, and he's coming back. And now he's got Billy Wild. It's not going to be just Frank Gore next year. They got a quarterback finally. Uh, I am going to be really high on Southern Miss going into next year. Unless something changes. Yeah, I I like what they're doing. So what you're telling me, Shane, is now you're all in on Will Hall and Southern Miss and what they're doing down there in Hattiesburg. I think that arguably the school with the best football tradition in the Sun Dogs is back. I that's my that's my big hot take for uh for, for today's episode. I think Southern Miss is back. I think they're going to be right in the mix for the West Championship next year. That is a sizzling hot take. Tibbs and I, are, our hair, our clothes are on fire right now. We are dunking ourselves with water. We're jumping into the lake. 
That is a hot take. But, you know, you could be right. That could be the right take. Uh, I think nothing was expected from Southern Miss this year. They came back. They've won their bowl game. They won their six games. They showed the world that the the Hattiesburg magic is back. Congratulations to Will Hall. This game, hey, uh, Tibbs, remember we were told that UConn was a lot tougher than we thought they were? They were one-half team. <laughs> yeah, well, it was the second half this time, right? It was the second half, but by then they were already down 21 nothing to the Thunder Herd. Yeah, and you know what? The Herd did it. I only got to watch the first half. But the Herd, was they were scoring those points and making their big plays on defense. I think they, they, they were just picking off balls left and right. Now, UConn wasn't that, doing that bad at defense either. But Marshall just looked like the tougher team and then ended up just kind of coasting at the end there. Tibbs, what did you think of that performance? Did you see both halves? I did. And that, I didn't get to see Coach Huff shuffling on the sidelines. There was no dancing. <laughs> okay, all right. But it, it was what we had expected all season long out of the herd. Rashid Ali came back. Cole yes. still got his touches, both of them just short of 100 yards on the on the night. <clears throat> I liked it. I, I mean, I, I thought that was the Marshall team of, we saw in week two that beat uh, Notre Dame and that we saw throughout the season glimpses of. But this was a true end-to-end game that they were able to put together and get the Sun Belt at the time to an unblemished record at 3-0. You know how you how how Shane said that he now is a big believer in Southern Miss, and that when no, it comes say to, that. what no no he just said it. it just oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah. You you maybe stepped out and I took a whiz because we usually do that when Shane's talking. We usually do other things. Like I usually start just surfing the internet and I wait mm-hmm. for him to stop talking. But he had said. That Southern Miss was going to be his kind of new go-to team. That he was a believer in the magic. That he was a believer in Will Hall, and that 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 Southern Miss has now returned. I kind of feel that way about Marshall. You know, I I feel like Marshall had that soft underbelly middle of the season where they couldn't get anything done. They didn't know who they were or where they had come from. They were just just blah on offense, blah on defense, and then suddenly they came on real strong at the end of the year. And then they came on real strong against, yes, against UConn. But it's a six-win UConn. It's a UConn on the rise. I just feel like Marshall is, is, is kind of going to be like a real contender next year in the East. And damn it, Shane, I want you to agree with me on this. I do agree with you. <laughs> yes. Just, despite the mean stuff you just said to me about me, I do agree with you. I know. I think, you know, <laughs> I would not argue too hard with anybody if i decided to make this the show where we make our picks for next year i guess because uh i already made my pick for the west but, uh, yeah i would not argue too hard with anybody who told me marshall was going to be the you know preseason favorite in the east next year um yeah because they were yeah. honestly very close to being right there with jmu and coastal this year um so yeah i like the way they finished i like the way they I think a lot of teams, a lot of programs would have had that stretch where they lost the Bowling Green, where they sleepwalk through a win against Gardner-Webb 
and a lot of teams might have never really turned the corner from that. And I think it's pretty impressive by Charles South that Marshall was able to get together and have a very successful season. So, speaking of successful seasons, Shane, wouldn't you say that South Alabama had a pretty successful season? They did. Yeah, you know, 10 wins. Yeah, right there at the end to win the... They were in contention to to win the Sun Belt West, didn't quite make it. You know, lost that big game to Troy. Lost that big game to... uh, It wasn't Cal. It was... It was... was, uh, UCLA. Yes, thank you. It was UCLA. You're making my head hurt, Jeremy. <laughs> they showed footage they of would, that. They would have beaten Cal. <laughs> probably they would have Cal off the field. Yeah. But, so they come into this game against Western Kentucky, and you, and you weren't here for this, Shane, but you know we had the group of five guys on. And uh, both Tibbs and I were like, man, this game scares the bejesus out of us. Because of what happened to Western Kentucky and, and Appalachian State when Billy Zappy, Billy Zappy, no, Bailey Zappy, just threw about 1,000 touchdowns on that pretty tough Appalachian State defense. And then you got South Alabama coming in, known for their defense, going against Western Kentucky, a team that, I, that uh, was it Austin Riley? Is that his, his name, Tibbs? Tibbs. For Southern Miss? No, for Western Kentucky. That's what I meant. Sorry, I'm I'm all over the place. Austin Reed is the quarterback for Western Kentucky. Thank He's you. basically yeah. an extension of, of Zappy. Yeah, and, and I think you and me, Tibbs, are like, well, it, really, Western Kentucky hasn't lost any any of its its identity with with Bailey Zappy moving on to New England. They're still the same. Big throw team, and man, right away in this game, Tibbs, almost immediately, just bomb after bomb. I think it was like 21 to zero, like within the first 18 minutes of the game. That is correct. And none of their time of possessions, the longest one was the opening drive of a minute 43. Now, is this a case of South Alabama just not being prepared for Western Kentucky? Or is Western Kentucky just destined to make top Sunbelt teams look foolish in bowl games? They're trying to play their way back into the league. <laughs> and, and, and I think that every time we, the Sunbelt, plays them, they're going to have the chip on their shoulder. They're going to go all out. They're going to try to show that they should have been the selection and included in the expansion of the Sunbelt. Well, hey, quite frankly, Tibbs, that, that, that strategy is working, because, or at least for me, because I'm like, why did we get rid of these guys? Why, if, if they're going to beat us so bad, we might as well have them join us, right? I mean, I like them more than I like Middle Tennessee. I'll take Western Kentucky back. <laughs> Jay, did you see that game, and did you just cringe every time? I didn't see it. I was traveling, but... Um... I think you guys are missing the big picture here. Oh, okay. And that is, when it comes to bowl games, if the team you like better wins it, then this is a clear indication that your team and your conference are superior. But if they don't, then it's just an exhibition. 
like case with the South Alabama. I mean, they're clearly just an exhibition for them, like, you know, and meant everything to Western Kentucky because they want to be in the Sun Belt. So you can't read too much into it. Oh, no. Yeah, well, not only that, guys, you know, what really that South Alabama wanted was that Sun Belt title. Once that, that eluded them, there was really no interest in playing football for them anymore, right? So, yeah, I think Shane's right. I mean, there's just nothing in it for South Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I'm joking, but at the same time, yeah, they, yeah. they did. They did what they wanted to do. They they had their double-digit win season. They, you know, were right there. I mean, they can't do anything to change the fact they lost in a really important game to their biggest rival. I mean, but otherwise, it was a good season. Their coach is coming back. I mean, maybe we should talk about the fact that, like, basically everybody's coach is coming back that Sun Belt didn't really get uh, rated too hard in the coaching carousel so far. But, yeah, I, I can see a scenario where this just wasn't that important to South Alabama. Speaking of which, well, we have, what, two new coaches at Sun Belt Media Days? Does that sound right? I think that's right. right. Yeah, unless somebody gets fired, and you never know, somebody could. So, guys, I I got a little something off base a little bit. I wrote for Hellraiser. No, you you never have anything off base, Jeremy. This is a little off base. You 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 watch TV, right, Tibbs? Sometimes. And I know that that Shane watches TV. Right? right too much TV, probably. Yeah, me too. That's what kind of I learned. Because I went ahead and I, I took all the streaming shows that I watched in 2022 and I ranked them. And I put like a little little tidbit about them. And what surprised me about this story that I put together, well, there's two things that surprised me. One is that, like you mentioned, Shane, I watch way too much TV. It was 20 shows that I ranked. And that's a lot of TV in one year. But secondly, no one gives a shit. <laughs> no, no one is reading the story. I read it. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. You're one of 20. <laughs> like looking at the, at the analytics, I'm going, why isn't anybody picking? Why wouldn't people want to know what I'm watching and what I think of these shows? But it had me wondering, Shane, because you, you, know, I, you being on the East Coast, you being an elite, you know, with uh, you know, with all the with the star power of the East, you probably have a penetrating insight into to certain television shows. I was going to ask you, what was the best show you watched of twenty twenty two? I don't know if it's the best, but I'll give you one that wasn't on your list because okay, great. it's a family friendly show, and most of the stuff that my kids watch, I do not. I'm just being nice if I sit down and watch it with them. But there's a show <laughs> on Plus called The Mysterious Benedict Society. It's based on a bunch of kids' books that they read. And it's a really, really good show. It's got uh, <laughs> Tony Hale from Arrested Development and Deep. Yeah. If you like those shows, like, um, it's really good. Like, yeah. If you want something you can watch with your kids that won't drive you absolutely insane, that's a really good one to check out. You know, that, that's, that's good advice. You know, I, I, too, have kids. My kids are in their late teens. And so, but we end up watching late teen shows like Wednesday, like The Wilds, 
like Outer Banks. And some of them are really just trash shows. And some of them are actually really good and kind of intriguing and well done. Tibbs, how about you? Do you watch much TV or are you just constantly enmeshed, immersed in, in, in Texas State sports? We have our set shows that we watch in our house. Okay. One of which is one that we started watching during the height of the pandemic of Below Deck, where it's the elite <laughs> yachting people and they all, yeah. you know, kind of make it the love boat. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing wrong with a little good trash TV, but to the extreme, we also watch the Love After and Love During Lockup series, where people wind up falling in love and marrying their boyfriend, girlfriend that is, was in prison. I'm not trash TV at its finest here. But then we also fired back up Manifest, which was a great TV show that was on NBC, moved over to Peacock and Hulu, and they now have season four out on Netflix. The problem is, is that there's about a year gap where you forgot who the characters were. (laughs) And so we're, we're definitely going through the motions of watching the show, but I couldn't tell you anything about this new season of what's happening. Yeah, that can be very difficult. Yeah, I, I, I can see what you're saying. But it seems to me like in the Thibodeau household, there is sort of a reality TV thread that goes on. Am I right? I wouldn't call it reality. I call it trash TV. Okay, all right. I am watching currently the trashiest show you could possibly watch. It's called. It's on Netflix. It's called Too Hot to Handle. And what they do is they trick like 10 gorgeous young people. You know, like they're they're all players. They're bikini girls and and musclehead men, and they it, they pull them on an island, and they think they're on a show where they're hooking up, but it turns out to be a show where they're not allowed to hook up, and they're supposed to find deeper relationships with each other, but they are so airheaded. It's like this 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 thought of having like a deep meaningful relationship is just so difficult for them. So it's 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 if if you really want some trash TV tips, check out Too Hot to Handle. You'll lose a lot of brain cells, but it's almost worth the loss of brain cells. Shay, do you have a guilty pleasure that you've watched? It sounds like all the tips are guilty pleasures. Uh, I'm not sure what I would call <laughs> like. I I really can't get into the trash TV stuff any, that much. Oh, this isn't a guilty pleasure, but this is just me being old. I think you guys count as old too. Sure. I was pretty I was pretty excited Beavis and Butthead was back on Paramount Plus <laughs> this year. That was that was a pretty good pretty good addition to my uh, T V repertoire. That is hilarious. Shane, you do not strike me as a Beavis and Butthead watcher. Seriously? <laughs> I watched so much Beavis and Butthead when I was in college. I think uh, that was my must-watch feeling when I was in college. And then they made the movie. I even watched the damn movie uh, that uh, that came out back in the early 90s. So, uh, yeah, Beavis and Butthead, that's some good stuff. You know, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of, of a You know, do you ever, like, watch a show, Shane? like for a few episodes and you get pretty deep into it. And finally you just give up. You're like, I'm done with it. I can't watch another episode. I don't care if I never find out what happens to these characters. Yeah. And 
I'm trying to think like what I'm drawing a blank on what I've actually given up on, but like I know I used to, I would say probably 10 years ago when TV started getting, when TV started getting really good, there was a lot of really good shows, but there wasn't so much of it. Yeah, like, I never gave up on a show, even when I was like, I don't like this anymore, but I'm going to see how it is. But uh, now there's so much of it, and I've got you know other responsibilities, kids, and everything else. Like I'm much quicker to give up on something now than I used to be, even though I'm drawing a little bit of a blank on what I've actually stopped watching recently. Yeah, you know what? I understand what you're saying because there's a time, you know. First of all, TV shows used to be like 24 episodes a year, so you you would get like just a lot of bad episodes, and you just have to get through it because it's just there's just so many shows. I remember I stuck with ER. My wife and I stuck with ER for like season after season, no matter how bad it got. It's just we couldn't get out of the rut. Shane or uh, yeah. Tibbs, have you ever been? trapped by a tv show that you just wanted to divorce but you couldn't bring yourself to do it yeah back when true blood was the peak <laughs> you know the louisiana vampires and it just <laughs> got so damn weird that i was like what am i doing watching this like you would almost look forward to the sunday night when it came on to see what kind of weirdness they were going to come up with this week <laughs> my wife loved that show <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't get into it. It was just like way too soap opery. I, I kind of like the setup, you know, but it was, it was, it was a show that I actually kind of watched vicariously through her because she would like interrupt whatever I was doing to tell me next what had happened to who is it, Suki and, 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 and that Skarsgård guy. And it would, I would always get like a blow by blow account, you know? So this year I actually gave up on a couple shows. And, and one of those shows I gave up on was The Terminal List. Have, did, did you see this one with Chris Pratt? He plays a Navy SEAL, and he's going out on, like, revenge because somebody's killed his family. Have you seen this? No. No? Seems like it'd be up your alley, Tibbs. How about you, Shane? you see The Terminal List? I think it was on Paramount Plus or maybe Amazon Prime. I haven't seen that one, no. I think I've heard of it, but I didn't realize Chris Pratt was in it. Yeah, Chris Pratt plays this lumbering ox of a of a um, of a, a Navy SEAL guy. So he's always, he's always sneaking around and getting into places, but he looks like he's just an ox in a China in a China shop. But I I think there were eight episodes. I finished seven and gave up. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I've ever done that before. I thought of one that kind of fits this category, and it's one. That to prove to you, I read your story. Thank you. It's the one you said you weren't going to watch. Is Yellowstone? I, I watched a few seasons of it, and I may or may not go back to it. I grew up like around cattle and stuff. Like I'd, I'd rather just see the ranching than seeing all the like political intrigue and all that stuff. Like so, like I am not quick to go back to that one. I may or may not finish it. But even knowing there's new seasons out, it's not like I'm dying to like find out what happens. All right. So the reason why I Every first of all, everybody talks about how great Yellowstone is, and when people do that, that usually repels me because I, I if, if everybody likes it, I know I'm going to hate it. But the one reason why I, I never got into Yellowstone is because I did watch two minutes of Yellowstone. I clicked it on, and it was exactly like I thought it was going to be. 
It was three guys fist fighting alongside a a a a, a barbed wire fence. One guy was outnumbered. He was getting his ass kicked. A guy in a truck rolls up, jumps out of the truck, and joins the other guy in the fight. And they end up beating up the other guys. Right? I thought I bet I just witnessed every episode of Yellowstone. <laughs> so I turned it off and never watched it again. Now, Shane, was I right? Was I? Am I being too snotty about Yellowstone? Not necessarily. I mean, it's one of those ones, sort of like you talked about True Blood before, where it starts out. You got a premise that's interesting, and then they uh-huh. just kind of got to figure out how to make it crazier and crazier. Like, you know, top, like, come up with a storyline for like every character, even if they don't really have anything to do with anything anymore. And it's just, I don't know. Like, like I said, like some of it's interesting, but then there's just too much, you know, people's offices getting blown up because of real estate deals and stuff. And it's like, I thought I was watching a show where they, where they work cattle. <laughs> now, Tibbs, is this a show right up your alley? It seems like this would be your kind of show. I turned it off after the first uh, five minutes when, to ruin the opening for you, the, the horse gets shot. Oh, you couldn't take that, right? You're like, oh, I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of interest. But, Jeremy, you have all this talk of this reality TV and all that. Uh-huh. Are you implying... That you want to be on a reality TV show? You know, I, it's not that I want to be on a reality show. It's just sometimes, like, events come into your life, Tibbs, where people outside of your life look at and go, we need to document this, like, in film. We, we need this for posterity. We need other people to walk the journey with you. And yeah, I, I didn't want to bring it up because I'm a little embarrassed, Tibbs. But uh, our, just a little bit of backstory. Arkansas State hired a tennis coach in August. Last week, that tennis coach has decided that he didn't want to coach tennis no more. So I threw my hat in the ring. I said, listen, I used to play tennis. I'd like to be the tennis coach. And lo and behold, Paramount Plus heard about what I was trying to do and they've been kind of walking with me through this journey and even though the, the, the show hasn't all been taped uh, you know, still a lot of edits, some special effects put in, they have a teaser trailer out there and I just got the teaser trailer and um, I don't know, would you guys want to hear that? Would you guys want to want to maybe put on the teaser trailer? Because I'm a little embarrassed Sounds like but, a trailer, I'm sure <laughs> Oh, it's not a train wreck. I mean, it's just well done. It's well produced. It's Paramount Plus. I mean, Paramount Plus is the stamp of quality. You, you got Freaky Beavis and Butthead. It's, you're, you're in good company. They're the guys that brought back Beavis and Butthead. And now they're, they're kind of documenting this journey. Listen, I'm just going to cue it up. And you guys can tell me what you think. Coming soon to Paramount Plus, the story of how one man, Jeremy Harper, became the Ted Lasso of collegiate women's tennis. Allow me to demonstrate the perfect serve. Stand behind me, ladies. You psycho! You broke my nose! You believe that a man without any athletic or leadership skills can coach tennis at Arkansas State. You don't have to be fast or tall or in shape 
or have any history at the sport of tennis to succeed. You just have to believe. Sir, this is an olive garden. Do you want unlimited breadsticks or not? Yeah, keep them coming. Jeremy Harper is Ted Lasso of Collegiate Women's Tennis. Coming soon to Paramount Plus. Please don't sue us, Ted Lasso. Tibbs, I, I need first first gut reaction. I'm glad that you'll be coaching tennis at Arkansas State and not on the bayou. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to take that as a compliment because I think what you're saying is that you're afraid that I would take the ULM coaching program and overshadow its beach volleyball program. And, and Terry Bowden and everything else <laughs> about that. Everything that's true to the Bayou. Shane, you know what? I, I respect your opinion most. One, because you're a real newsman. Not like me and Tibbs, who just play at being newsmen. And you're also part of the East Coast elite. So I, I feel like your word would actually open more doors for me. What did you think of that? Do you think there's some promise in, that, in, the, in, the, uh, in the show? I think it looks good enough that I'm going to continue to say signed into my friend's Paramount Plus account so I can check this out. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's all I can ask. All right, guys, listen, it's Christmas time. You know, we've got presents to wrap. We've got kids to tell Santa stories to. We've got old parents to visit. We've got Christmas parties to go to. We've got we got to get a little drunk at these parties, maybe embarrass ourselves a little bit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it a night, guys. Unless you have anything else to add, you know, we'll do our parting shots, plugs, and promos. But unless you guys got anything else to add, I'm ready to close the door on this season. You know, we talked about Southern Miss finally being back in football, back in basketball as they enter Ooh. the home stretch of non-conference games 11-1. and one. ULM men's team, the lone – Sunbelt Conference team with a losing overall record at four and nine. Oh no! On the women's side, how about that? Troy five and six. Georgia Southern leading the charge at eight and one. James Madison ten and two. Boys, we're going to have some new champions this year in basketball. I do believe. And maybe it's about time. You know, we need a changing of the guard. But man, let me tell you something about ULM basketball, men's basketball. I think they're the only, like, uh, the only Sunbelt team that's not a sub-300 team in the net rankings. Am I, 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 am I right about that? I, I think so. I think you guys are, like, 345. What is going on with the Warhawks, Tibbs? Can we take that as your parting shot there, Jeremy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my parting shot is a good thing Terry Bowden's recruiting some running backs because uh, – because basketball is not going to bring me any happiness tomorrow. (laughs) (sighs) Just keep keep piling on. I'm I'm, I'm here for your laughing pleasure. Listen, Arkansas State, they're no good either at basketball. We're having a horrible season, but man, I always look at ULM like they're like the stuntman's airbag for us. No matter how far we fall, we're just going to land in that cushion that ULM has provided for us. At least we're not the Warhawks. Uh, you're you're still in some Kara Ritchie thunder with that comment. 
I steal all my stuff. I steal from Karen Richie. So uh, she knows that. Tibbs, I want to hear your parting shot plug or promo. And remember, this is the last one of the year. So it better be damn good. I'll do my best. Warhawk Report, active message board as the athletic director search rolls on into the new year, as well as breaking down the incoming signing class for the Warhawks. My parting Ooh. shot. It's trying times right now. The economy's in the shitter. Stocks are going down. There's people out there robbing people, Jeremy. Shane. <gasps> All I get to say is if you turn to the life of crime, you better make sure you're casing the joint ahead of time. Okay. As a guy recently found out where he broke in <laughs> to a house to yeah. then be put in a chokehold, held at gunpoint. When the police arrived, they were glad to see that Hacksaw Jim Duggan had not been injured in his taking down of the intruder to his house. Oh, God. I, the only thing that would have made it more perfect, Tibbs, is they have had clobbered the intruder with a four by four. Or somehow he had a cage in his garage, and that's where it all went down. <laughs> Uh, have you ever tried to explain 1980s wrestling to your kids? It's impossible. <laughs> no, but but my son definitely looked at me weird when I was showing him an old Sergeant Slaughter video. And I was like, I met him and that was the man. Sergeant Slaughter was the man. And my son was like, it's a fat guy in a tank top with a hat. I was like, you missed it. I tried to explain King Kong Bundy to my kids and it was just a futile attempt at, at explaining anything they were like wait so he was just a big fat guy i'm like yeah he was a wrestler he didn't do much you just kind of bounced off of him <laughs> i love 80s wrestling all right shane can you talk that plug promos and parting shots from tibbs because that was pretty good i cannot top that in any way um i don't know i guess since we just talked so much tv okay and by the time people listen to this, it'll be Festivus. Okay. They made famous Seinfeld. So happy Festivus to everybody. So I probably like Festivus even better than Christmas. So happy Festivus to everybody. Ah, Shane has got his pole out. He's going to do yeah. his feats of strength. We aired our grievances a little bit on here. So we're, we're good. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, you know, happy Festivus to you, Shane. Yeah, I didn't get you a Festivus gift. So uh, maybe next year we'll we'll meet yeah. we'll dig into the to the Fun Belt podcast uh, petty cash and we'll be able to give us all all a round of little gifts but uh, not not this year that would be nice but you know what I would like a sponsor that would be great yeah. anyway my parting shot uh, uh, promo my promo and parting shot and plug are kind of the same thing. Uh, you know, please go read that article that I, I spent so much billable hours. Yeah, I, I was really needing to do some actual real work to spend that time. Instead, I, I wrote this 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 20, uh, 20 point TV review. Go to Howraiser, check it out. One of the TV shows on there that I rated was a show called Wednesday, which a lot of people like. It, it's about the Wednesday Adams from the Adams family. And she is consigned to a boarding school 
of people that are kind of like her. They're all kind of weird or supernatural. You know, some some of the students are like werewolves and others clairvoyance. You know, and and to me, that's kind of the problem with the whole show. Everybody loves the show. That the, there's a girl named uh, Julia Ortega who plays Wednesday. She is outstanding. She has a great career ahead. But have we not played it out? This sort of boarding school for gifted and strange kids. Are we not done with that? I mean, didn't we start that with, with, with uh, the X Men, and then with Harry Potter, and now it seems like every other show is set at a boarding school. Couldn't we just put Wednesday Adams in like a regular school, and wouldn't she be so weird that the juxtaposition would be entertaining enough? I mean, why do we have to put Wednesday Adams with a bunch of people who are just like her? Now she's not special. I don't get it. Anyway, nobody listens to me, so uh, nobody asked me to write any notes on the show. But if they had asked, I would have given them that piece of information, and maybe it would have been a better show. And with that, my name's Jeremy Harper from Hellraiser. Shane Metlin is from the Daily uh, Daily News Record. Got it. <laughs> Great East Coast paper. Uh, it has a lot of political power, so make sure you, you read that paper. And, and then Dusty Thibodeau, he's with the Warhawk Report. I wish you all guys a Merry Christmas. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, thanks for having me be a part of this show. Uh, you guys are the best. And we'll kick ass in, in season three.